Well, good morning. This morning we're reading from our Old Testament reading is from Joshua chapter 23, verses 1 to 13. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges and officials, and said to them, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the lands of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you, just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your back and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. And our New Testament reading is Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. 
as we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Thank you so much, Kathy. Um, We're beginning a new series in uh, the book of Galatians, but I don't want us to move too quickly from what we've been sharing together during the course of the Easter series, because you'll remember last week how Shane took us to the very final section of the last chapter of Matthew, in which we had the Great Commission, and how he focused on the fact that all authority has been given to the Lord Jesus. And that the Lord Jesus assures his disciples that he will be with them till the very end of the age. And that that section is all about the Lord Jesus. He sent a stage in history, in our lives, and we are just really bit players. But what a great privilege it is to be woven into his story, that those stories of each and every one of us, as um, Joe alluded to in her prayer, Every single person's story is precious to the Lord as it fits in with his story. And so, um, really, as we get into this letter, uh, I, I want us to have in mind the fact that actually it's all about Jesus as we pray in his name. Would you join me in prayer? Father, as we come to your word, we pray that you would once again be at work in each and every one of us to recall with thanksgiving that the love of Jesus Messiah fulfills the law so that we do not have to return from salvation to slavery. Thank you that the love of Jesus Messiah is not a license to indulge the flesh in sins from which we have been freed. And so we pray that in the weeks ahead you would pour your spirit out upon us, that we may live being led by your spirit bearing the fruit of love against which there is no law, as together we long for the return of Jesus in glory. It is in his mighty and precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, here we are looking at one gospel in the letter to the Galatians. And uh, this is part one, chapters one and two, and this uh, sermon is entitled, From Salvation to Slavery. And it's in the context of the experience that we are having as members of the global Anglican Church that I want us to consider what it means to be devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, to be devoted to the sufficiency and the clarity of His Word, and to be devoted as his people to his mission in this world. We produced last week a commitment together entitled the Kigali Commitment. Uh, It's been endorsed and spoken to by our Archbishop, Kanishka Raphael, but it was written by all 1,300 uh, attendees at the conference united in one gospel. The language of walking together has been used for decades 
by archbishops of Canterbury and the other instruments of communion. But walking together does not describe what we have been doing. A fellowship of Anglicans cannot walk together when they share different beliefs about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Messiah. For there is one gospel, one gospel given by God in the Bible. Good news of salvation from sins and hope and assurance for eternity. It's not a smorgasbord. It's not like when you walk into a special event and there's a buffet and you take your plate and you can pick and choose the bits that you want to go on there. For when we walk towards the Lord Jesus Messiah, we turn our minds away from and we turn our backs to sin. And sadly, many Anglicans around the world have embraced a different gospel a gospel that is coated with laws and liberties, as we shall see in this letter to the Galatians in weeks ahead. In fact, in the words of Calvin Robinson, who is a deacon in the Free Church of England, he described it like this. He said, and I quote, it is not walking together when you are walking in different directions. And over the weeks ahead, uh, my plan and my prayer is that I might unlock some of these learnings from GAFCON on issues of salvation, on issues of law and liberty, and on issues of idolatry and immorality in the church. But in summary, I have an excerpt here from the Kigali commitment. In essence, those gathered reject that the way ahead for the Anglican communion is to learn to walk together in good disagreement. We reject the claim that two contradictory positions can both be valid in matters affecting salvation. We cannot walk together in good disagreement with those who have deliberately chosen to walk away from the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Jude 3. Now this will be confronting for some of us. It will be comforting for others. And as we do this journey together, the big idea that I want us to pick up for this sermon series is this, one gospel for freedom forever. One gospel for freedom forever. And that's gleaned from chapter five, verse one of Galatians, in which we read, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and don't let yourselves again be burdened by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by slavery. Paul goes on in that chapter to say, do not give license to the flesh, but serve one another in love and live by the Spirit. If so, then you are not under law. But the big idea for today's talk is this, from salvation to slavery. And this is the danger that faces the Galatians and faces the Anglican church and day by day faces us as followers of Jesus, that we release ourselves from the truth of grace and salvation and kind of want like dogs returning to their sick to go back to slavery again. You probably know this story. 
It's a true story of the U.S. naval fleet navigating in the northern Atlantic and this formidable uh, armada of military ships receives a communication over the radio. A small voice says, deviate from your present course 10 degrees or risk a collision. To which the U.S. Admiral of the Navy fleet, imagining a little merchant vessel, responds, deviate from your course by 10 degrees or risk collision with the might of the U.S. military. And after radio silence for a moment, the little voice responds with these words, this is a lighthouse. Your call. So my first point is this, a lighthouse, a lighthouse on the rocks, Galatians 1, 1 to 5. You see, the biblical gospel of God is like a lighthouse on a rock. It is on firm ground, sufficient and clear. And any vessel or vessels seeking to steer its own course against it will run aground. In other words, the gospel that God has given us in the Bible is revealed by God and it must not be changed. And the Galatians had a problem because there were some who'd come amongst them that had started to lead them astray. They'd left the light, they'd left the rock, and they were getting into choppy waters. There were some ship's captains who'd taken them out on vessels and they were in very real danger of running aground. And so in a manner of speaking, Paul is rather like the lighthouse keeper who's been sent to bring them back to the life and uh, the light and warn them of the peril ahead. And you remember, of course, that Paul, speaking to these churches in Galatia, had particular affection for them. He planted them. We read in Acts 13 to 14 of those little fellowships in Iconium and Lystra and Derbe. And Paul has deep affection for these people and his views on law and liberty here for followers of Jesus are having a real life impact. Sometimes, of course, it's easy for us to come to the word of God and to think theology, to, to think this is God's word and it's good to understand the word of God. But always when we come to the word of God, we're dealing with a love letter from our father in heaven who cares about his precious children. And so theology is never divorced from the concrete practical reality of people. And for Paul, these Galatian churches were in the situation of a pastoral emergency. And for us now, brothers and sisters, we are in the situation of a pastoral emergency across the global Anglican church. And we're hitting the reset button. And in doing so, we look to the gospel lighthouse because there is a reformation underway in the Anglican church globally for Jesus and the Bible and mission. And so as we come to this letter, we see that its author is Paul the Apostle. He is one who has been sent by Jesus. An apostle means one sent on a mission and Paul himself is commissioned by Jesus Christ. Sometimes we might like to think of ourselves as apostles, one sent by Jesus today. Uh, in a way, perhaps we could say Paul is the big A apostle and we might be the little apostles. But the only way in which we can be legitimate apostles is if we have the authority, power and authenticity of Paul as the big A apostle. 
which means that we need to stay true to the gospel that was given to Paul by Jesus as God's word. For in verse 1 we read that Paul was not sent from men or by a man, he was sent by Jesus. And there are lots of gospels out there, aren't there? For if the one gospel is the big G gospel, so frequently we see little g gospels that have been diluted or adjusted slightly. You have only to go to the Vatican website to see how unbiblical the message is from the Roman Catholic Church. We have only, and I've seen this so very recently with my brothers and sisters in Africa, to hear the, the, the closeness of a prosperity gospel that, that presupposes that we are no longer subject to suffering in this world, even though our Lord Jesus himself suffered. We need to compare and contrast, for that is the way it is throughout the Bible. Think about it. At the very beginning in, in Genesis, it says, in the beginning. And, and that is provided by way of a contrast to the ancient Near Eastern creation myths of Enuma Elish and the Gilgamesh epic. That it's provided by way of contrast. The, the, the Apostle John, when he writes, in the beginning, in his gospel, is a contrast to Gnosticism, which was a way of thinking in his day. And Paul here, as the apostle of Jesus, confirms his authority and his power and authenticity by way of comparison and contrast. He says, not of men, but verse 1, by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Some scholars like to think of Paul as a bit of a lone wolf. And if the Galatians had been approached by other apostles, um, we can see that there's a challenge for Paul is the one who initially brought the gospel to them, who are they going to believe? You remember how in Acts 9 we're told that Paul, the apostle, met the resurrected Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. His life was utterly transformed. But it was some years before he met the other apostles in Jerusalem. But he goes on to say as well in verse 2, uh, it's not just from him, but it's also and all the brothers with me with the authenticity of the church of God. He is backed up by the other apostles. And as we see in Acts 15, this is all sorted out by them coming together and prayerfully discerning God's plan for the way forward. So Paul has authority and he has power and he has authenticity. And so we must speak Paul's gospel, consistent and understood in the context of the full counsel of God in the whole biblical canon. Brothers and sisters, we are little a apostles only when the content of our message is the content of the apostle Paul's gospel calibrated according to the full counsel of the Bible. Jesus gospel through Paul, and to whom is it given? Well, it says in verse 2, to the churches in Galatia, those little gatherings around and about the place, but also part of the church, verse 13. What does Paul want to say to them first? Well, he says, a blessing. He says, verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Paul uses this greeting as a way to connect. He says, shalom, peace, which of course would resonate very strongly with Jewish followers of the Lord Jesus. But to use this notion of grace also puts salvation fairly and squarely in the domain of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he goes on to elaborate in verses four to five to say that this Jesus Messiah gave himself for our sins in order to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Notice how Paul is quick to give us the basics of the gospel of salvation by grace through faith alone. Now, of course, normally you will recall in Paul's letters as we read his letter to the Ephesians or we read his letter to the Philippians that he would move into this space of praise and prayer this effusion, this overflow of his appreciation for the grace of God, but not today. Paul takes a very different tack as he hits the emergency button. It's an emergency, my second point. You know what it's like when there's an emergency, don't you? Somebody cries out emergency, what happens? Everything stops, doesn't it? Everyone's on high alert. We hear the emergency of, of a flood or a fire and we start to make contingency plans. We hear the emergency of a sick child and we immediately get on the phone and call the ambulance. We see the emergency of a, a boat about to hit the rocks and we rely upon the lighthouse. And so it is that there is an emergency here and Paul hits the button. It's a pastoral emergency that causes a strong response in Paul. And it helps us here in Galatians to understand Paul's understanding of law and liberty under the gospel. Have you ever been astonished? Do you remember the look on somebody's face when they're astonished? It's got, you know when your jaw hops, hits the ground? You know what it looks like? It's like his big wide eyes and big open mouth. And this is what, what Paul's got here. He's, he, he's amazed. He says, I am astonished. What is he astonished about? That you, Galatians, are turning so quickly from the one who called you by the grace of Christ to a different gospel. In fact, that astonishment is the same word that is used for Jesus' astonishment at the faithlessness of the people and, and their astonishment at his authority and his capacity to perform miracles. And that turning so quickly idea is the idea of military desertion. You know, when soldiers go absent without leave and you've got to track them down and court-martial them. Because he's saying, how is it that you can so quickly go from the freedom of grace in salvation back to slavery to law? How is it that you can so quickly go back to slavery to the sins of the flesh in what is called liberty? How quickly can you turn from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to another gospel, which is verse 7, really no gospel at all, because there is no other gospel. Because you cannot walk together when one has the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you deviate from it. It's been a very big week last week. I can tell you... Whilst there was great relief, there was not celebration. 
because the Kigali commitment expresses our release from the instruments of communion. We no longer recognize the authority of the Archbishop of Canterbury or the Anglican Consultative Council or the primates gatherings because the Anglican Church has some of us walking with Jesus and others of us walking in sin. And to call that good disagreement, to call that unity, simply is not true. This is not unity in the one gospel. This is a pretense of unity of people who are walking in different directions. And if I repent turning to Jesus Messiah, then I must turn away from the sins for which he died. You know, again, in Joe's prayer, she alluded to Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is a powerful psalm. It speaks of the Lord's compassion and grace and his abounding love. And it tells us that as high as heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, has he set our sins away from us. And to come from salvation as children of a heavenly father back to the slavery of laws of obedience, describing as unity um, the license for false freedoms and sinfulness, this is a gospel in small letters that neither recognizes Jesus' salvation from sins nor his resurrection into new life. And in the weeks ahead, we shall see what these challenges look like for us as a local church and for members of a global Anglican church. There is confusion about the place of law for the Christian, and there is confusion about liberty. But for Paul, it is clear that the Galatians have been agitated. There is agitation amongst them. Some have come from Jerusalem and they've begun to muddy the waters of their understanding. Some have begun to muddy the waters of our understanding as brothers and sisters throughout the Anglican communion and we have an emergency and it is time for a biblical reset. Paul says to the Galatians, some people are throwing you into agitation and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And Paul is effectively saying, you're all at sea, come back to the lighthouse, come back to the one gospel, come back from slavery to salvation, because any other gospel will take you from salvation and put you back into slavery. That word agitation is a funny word, isn't it? Do you have one of those big top loader, have you ever had one of those top loader washing machines? Yeah, they're good, aren't they? They're called agitators. We've got one now. We used to have one. It was a really old one, and it was really good. It would clean things really well. You could stuff all your washing from the week into it. It was huge. And you put in your powder, and you turn it on, and it would just go agitate, 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 agitate. Have you ever had one break on you? It's the weirdest experience, man. We had one day when the machine was just starting to get really, really noisy and agitate really, really hard. And then suddenly we had water all over the floor. We're like, what's going on? So Sarah and I tested the agitator and we, we put in some clothes and we put in the water and we watched it and it just started moving across the floor. 
It was crazy. What had actually happened was the drum inside is held by four massive elastic bands, and two of them had come off. And so the drum inside was moving so hard that the agitation was not wasn't getting the clothes clean. It was just throwing water everywhere and dancing across the floor. It was all very exciting, but it was no good for it. <coughs> Excuse me. Actually, in the end, we had to get a guy in to do a repair job on it. And uh, he showed us what was going wrong. And he was able to restore stability to the church. And that's effectively what Paul is doing. Coming back with the one gospel and putting the elastic bands on and going, hey, this is going to now start cleaning clothes again. <clears throat> it's very agitating when a distortion of the gospel comes into a local or global church. Prosperity a wealth, salvation, gospel. Liberty, a health, salvation, gospel. Law, a self, salvation, gospel. Wealth, health, and self all take our eyes from the wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ and put it back onto us. That's the effect of a broken washing machine. You get so obsessed with the broken washing machine that you forget that Jesus is the one who has washed his people clean. And it's agitating. This broken gospel does you no good, says Paul. Stay on course with the one true gospel. He even goes so far as to say in verse 8, even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim a gospel to you, other than the gospel that we have proclaimed to you, let them be under God's curse. He says the same thing the other way around in verse 9. He says, another gospel proclaimed to you, hit the emergency button. Stick to the one gospel. Make sure you are safely on shore and secure in the light of Christ the rock. Paul's just a courier the messenger of the one gospel. And you and I, brothers and sisters, are curious too. May it be that we get this message right because the content of this gospel is what matters to Paul. The content is true and unchanging. Even, even evil-minded, ill-willed couriers who bring the one gospel that is true are better than well-meaning couriers who have a false gospel. And Paul says it's so significant that those who bring a false gospel are to be cut off because they will damage the people of God and lead them astray from the assurance of salvation into slavery again to law or damaging liberty. What is described here as heresy. Paul was a member of a sect of Phariseeism. Uh, that word is kind of like a choice word that, that, that is sort of separate but it's come to mean really, in essence, a bad idea. And he says, if there's bad ideas, if anybody leads people astray, cut them off. Do you know, every day at this GAFCON gathering, we prayed prayers of repentance. Not for those who have been led astray and are leading others astray, but for ourselves. That we might come before God with repentant hearts, for ourselves, because that's where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? Our relationship with God. I'm responsible for my relationship with God as you are for yours. And when we repent before God, we're reminded that there but for the grace of God go I. There but for the grace of God go I. 
And yet, once we've attended to ourselves, we must attend to our families and our church families, and in turn, our broader global Anglican church family. And if the content is corrupt, says Paul, cut it off. That is why this movement is so important, to stay true to the faith once for all delivered to us, to cut off novel and revisionist theology so that it does not lead people away from the grace of God. And so this letter to the Galatians, this letter to us, and this letter to the whole Anglican church is as relevant today as it was to the Galatians in Paul's day. Taking Jesus' people back to obedience to laws or permitting liberties that satisfy the sins of the flesh, why is it so bad really, hey? Is it that bad? Requiring non-Jewish followers of Jesus to observe the law, well, it doesn't make any sense. Because then, if, if we do that, it acts as if Jesus did not fulfill the law, which he did. It, 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 it means that Jesus did not fully deal with our sins at the cross, which he did. And it diminishes the effectiveness of his death on our behalf. And it neglects freedoms that Jesus has gained for us and now offers us in faith and obedience to live his way and diminishes the resurrection moral order. It limits God's blessing on the basis of grace alone. If the Galatians begin to add Jewish ethnic customs, it makes the work of the Spirit redundant in teaching us God's good, pleasing, and perfect will that glorifies Jesus in our lives. In Galatia, the issues were Jewish customs like circumcision and kosher food rituals and the Sabbath. And we're going to see all of this play out across the letter of Galatians. And of course, we've read ahead already to Acts 15 and see that gospel unity is confirmed through, um, the, um, through the apostles in their gathering there. But we're also going to see some of the contemporary challenges that face us today. Some of these bad ideas that drag us back from joyful service in our salvation to the demoralizing slavery of obedience to law and the false freedoms that come when we live contrary to God's glory in ways that are not good for us and do not bring glory to him. The gospel is to be embraced. And in verse 10, he says, I'm not trying to win the approval of human beings. I'm not trying to please people. My first concern is to honor and please God. Otherwise, I would not be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, how are we being challenged to preserve and protect the one gospel? I mentioned earlier in the announcements about this ACL petition, it's the pressure that is increasing to recruit teachers into schools, especially teachers into Christian schools that do not have Christian convictions. And I wonder whether we're ready to put our names on the line to sign up to ensure that teachers in Christian schools remain followers of Jesus so that the curricula that are being taught will be continued to be imbued with a biblical worldview or whether we're just going to be prepared to take a softer posture. 
I wonder whether sometimes we think to ourselves, it would be so much easier to maintain a presence for SRE in our public schools if we just softened the gospel a little. Or when our friends and our family say to us, can't we just find some common ground so that we can walk together instead of this strong posture that you take about Jesus and following his way. I mean, by all means, let Anglicare and Anglican Aid and the Archbishop's Fund serve the community. But would you just stop bringing in that little bit that says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he's the only way. It'd be so much more pleasing if Christians would just keep out of the public life and keep out of my private life and the lives of others. And it's a temptation for us, isn't it? Just to blend in to be nice and a little less distinctive like the salt and the light in the world. And slowly, the light goes out in the lighthouse and those ships begin to sail perilously close to the rocks. Brothers and sisters, the one gospel is confronting. The one gospel is radical because it saves people from the eternal curse of hell and being cut off from God forever. This is the greatest emergency in every human life. People need to hear and believe the one gospel. By God's grace, may we grow in confidence and courage to share that one gospel in the weeks ahead that we might see many more brought into his family and be with us for all eternity. Let's pray together. Our Father God, we do thank you for the Apostle Paul and the churches in Galatia who give us cause for confession. When we have and will be tempted to turn quickly from the one gospel of grace and peace, Lord God, enable us to hold fast to the one gospel of grace and peace found only in Jesus Messiah. Prompt us to look to the lighthouse, to be willing to hit the emergency button when necessary and protect us from the agitation of others who would come into our lives and draw us away from the one gospel. Restore to us, loving Father, to the joy of our salvation. Release us from slavery to law and fleshly liberties and pour your spirit upon us to give us courage to proclaim the one gospel in faith and obedience. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.